Uh, as you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I started a mini-series. Everybody say a mini-series. Just talking about there always being a next step in the Spirit. And so I, I spoke that first week about the Spirit of God and His influence in our life. And, and you know that through week one, what I was talking about was the drawing of God. That we cannot even come to Him unless the Spirit draws us. And so there's an influence, the activity of the Spirit that... that First, we are introduced to is that influence, that drawing of God. And I talked week one about that. But once we're drawn to Him, uh, we have to move on to the next step in the Spirit. And the next step in the Spirit, which was two weeks ago, I preached about that, uh, Spirit infilling. So we're first influenced by the Spirit, and then we are filled. We are filled with the Spirit when we get here. And I talked week two about that. Then last week we had a guest speaker with us. And so today I'm going to move on to the third part of there always being a next step in the Spirit. I will not go back and re-preach everything that I, I preached the previous couple of weeks. But I will invite you and remind you that on the website, if you'd like to go there, you can access the media link there and you can listen to week one and you can listen to week two through the website if you were not here or maybe you missed one of those weeks or you just want to be reminded of what uh, we talked about uh, in those weeks. You can go back and listen and then after today, you can come back and hear uh, this third portion. So, I want to go, if I can, for a moment to our foundational text in this series, and that is found in the book of Proverbs. There's two different verses that we have highlighted in Proverbs, the first being Proverbs 12, verse 15. The Bible says, "...the way of a fool is right in his own eyes." But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. He that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Then we went to Proverbs 16, verse 25, and I read from there, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. These are the two verses that we have use the last few weeks to build our series on. And you will remember if you were here that I talked a little bit about these verses and, and, and from the angle of oftentimes when we read them, we're preaching or talking or teaching about judgment. You better get right with God. You're not living right. And uh, eternity is forever. It's coming quickly. And that's, that's, the, that's the direction that oftentimes we will go with these verses. That you've got to be careful about just doing what seems right in your eyes. But I mentioned to you on week one that I wasn't going that direction. And I wasn't taking that angle on these verses this time, but we were going to talk about something completely different, and that's what we've been doing. We've been talking about the Spirit, and there's always a next step in the Spirit. And so from there, we have covered a couple of weeks of teaching, and now here we are in week number three. Those being our foundational verses, I want us today go to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture to begin here. That's verse number 14. And I'll come back and reference some of the other verses around this in a moment. But Romans 8, verse uh, number 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8, verse 14. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, there's a similar verse, and I want to read this today. Galatians 5, verse 18 says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. 
If ye are led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Galatians 5.18. Now, uh, there's a lot that I could talk about here, and I'll try to limit my remarks today, but I do want to just highlight this if I can. There are so many people that talk about in Christianity being free from the law and being uh, somehow uh, not obligated to the law, that there is something greater and higher and more wonderful that has happened in their life and they're just glad that they are New Testament Christians, that they are not Old Testament Christians, that we don't live under the law, we live under grace. And I I can't even tell you how many people that I've heard and discussed this with and talked with and heard from about their excitement and their joy of having no obligation to the law, no attachment to the law, not having any responsibility to the law, glad they live now and not then, and man, it goes on and on and on. But the Bible said, if ye are led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. In other words, if you are not led by the Spirit... If you are not submitted to the next step of the Spirit, if you're not being influenced, filled, and led by the Spirit, then whether you want to admit it or not, you are directly responsible and under and obligated to the law that you're so excited about being free from. Think about it for a moment. Think about what Paul was dealing with here. So, today, I am going to unpack some of this if I can. And there's a lot of verses that I'd like to get to, but but I want you to hold on to this if you don't remember anything else that the first step and work of the Spirit in our lives is being influenced or drawn by the Spirit to God The second step is being filled with the Spirit of God, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit infilling. The third step for us is to be led by the Spirit. That you cannot just come to God and claim, I've been filled with the Spirit, everything's good, everything's resolved, everything's taken care of, and I'm good to go until the Lord comes back or He calls me home. Literally, the Bible is telling us that it is only when you are led by the Spirit of God that you become a son of God. That you cannot just be influenced by it. You cannot just be filled with it. But you also have to be led by the Spirit. It goes on. That's why the writer said that it's imperative for us to, to move on in the things of God. Not just to rehearse all of those steps we've already taken and stay there and not move any further in God, but just go around these same experiences and these same uh, level of knowledge or understanding that we have, but we have to move on. That you cannot just stay with the milk of the Word. How many knows this, that if you would have let your children, they would have, they would have drank you out of house and home of milk, not only when they were six months old, but when they were six years old and when they were 16 and maybe you have teenage boys or maybe you have uh, 20 something immature someone or 30 something immature someone that's still hanging around the house depending on you to buy gallons and gallons and gallons of milk for them we want we want that We, we we will stay there I mean, how it doesn't often happen that that our children come to us and say, you know, Mom, I think it's time you break me from the bottle. You know, I just, uh, it's time, I'm in eighth grade now. Um, <laughs> let's, let's move on. No more nursing for me. I'm a freshman in high school. It just doesn't look right. Somewhere, somewhere you had to decide, now's the time. 
I mean, doctors will tell you, you gotta, you, you, you've, you've got to stop somewhere. You know, you cannot, they, they need to be eating some other stuff. If you just keep filling them up on milk, then you're, you're going to deplete them of other nourishment and needs that they have in their body. So, so we need to think about this. Let's move on. But here's what people do in the church. They, they want to stay with the milk of the Word six years later. And honestly, if you've been around the church a long time and you're still feasting on the milk of the Word, there might be a problem. I know you're from Colorado, but it's like those redneck jokes. You might be a redneck. If you, you might be immature, an immature Christian if you've hung around for a long time and you're still depending on milk. And anything that anybody else tries to feed you or give you, you get offended at, there might be a problem. There might be an issue. Because you got to go on to the meat. You got to go on to what the next step is. You have to go on to what will also benefit your life, will also move on your behalf. That you can not just keep laying those same foundations over and over and over in God, but now that you have the foundation, build something on the foundation. There's so many foundational truths and foundational Christians. Listen, if all you ever do is put a foundation out that out there, you are missing the point of what the, the main objective was. To build a structure. He said, I'm going to build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to continue to lay the foundation and break it up and lay it again and, break, and, and just make sure that you're good foundationally. He said, I will build. There is a structure. There is an intent. There is a goal. There's something in the end that I'm moving toward. And as God, I preached it just a while back in a series, as He works on us, He's also working on the church to build something. God is this craftsman. He is this master craftsman in our lives. He's building. He doesn't want to to keep going over and over and over again with you, the foundation, the foundation, the foundation. Get it and take the next step in the Spirit. You were influenced or you would never be here. You were drawn by Him and so God initiated a work in your life. He instigated something on your behalf without you having anything to do with that because He loved you and He had something in mind for your life so He drew you. Put something out there to get your attention, a conversation. You overheard something. You listened to something on the radio. You saw someone on your job that's, that, that their life spoke to you and it started drawing you. It piqued your interest. You moved. God did all of that. He brought you here. He influenced you. you. He drew you here. Once you got here, you realized, hey, there's more to it than just showing up. I want what He has for me. And so you took the next step and you let him fill you with his spirit empower you with the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind but now you can't just come to church and clap your hands and say man the holy ghost is great oh i feel so wonderful i love it when i speak in that listen that's great that's incredible take that step if you haven't but once you take that realize you cannot just stay there the Bible said that we have to be led. We were drawn. Okay, there's a difference in drawing something and leading something. Okay? So He worked to draw us, to fill us. Now He wants to lead us. What we could not do before the drawing, we can now that we've been filled. Okay? So let's, let's take a look here for, for a few moments back in Romans 8. And uh, let me go to verse number 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Walk after the Spirit right in line with what we're talking about, okay? The Spirit 
is leading. And those that walk after the leading of the Spirit, the Bible says they will live their life free of condemnation. So if you are allowing the Spirit to lead in your life and you are following after that, then the flesh is not having the final say in your life. Okay? So so it goes on to, to tell us, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm not hurrying because I want you to get this. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. So what the Spirit has done by drawing me and filling me is to free me from the law of sin and death. I'm freed from the law, the curse of sin and death because of what He's done in my life. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Okay. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Can I, can I just slow down for a moment, even slower than I'm already going to say this? All right. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Here's what happens when you allow the Spirit to lead in your life. Just because you were filled with the Spirit doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to leave this place and no longer have any more issues, temptations, failures, proclivities, drawings toward the world. It's not saying that. So... Sometimes in the church we say, if you'll just get filled with the Spirit, everything will be taken care of. Well, man, I wish that was the truth. Because it sure preaches good. But you and I know that are filled with the Spirit, that it took more than just being filled with the Spirit. When you walked out the door, you had to allow that spirit that was in your life to begin to lead you. If you didn't allow that leading to happen, you would naturally, automatically go right back to what the flesh desired. Because you've lived your entire life up to that point allowing the flesh to rule. The flesh to have the upper hand. The flesh to, to, to pull us around, if you will. And the Bible said that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Sometimes we want to do away with the law, but the law wasn't all bad. Law isn't bad. So wherever we think that, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm speaking in general terms here, law isn't bad. I'm thankful for law. Can it be abused? Absolutely. But without law, you have chaos. So without without some kind of laws and expectations set forth, then 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 you have no direction. You have no it's it's here are the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And up until that point now, they've been there in bondage for 400 plus years, they've multiplied greatly. There's an astronomical amount of them in comparison to the amount that went into Egypt, 70 or so, a family. Now they come out and they're a nation, but they're a nation with no governing. They're they're a nation with no ordinances. They're they're a nation with no law. They're, They're a nation with no direction. They're a people. They're great in number, but no focus. I mean, Cindy has the kids learning the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments come on the heels of their deliverance out of Egypt. Because you got millions now with no law, no expectation, 
no guidance, no ordinances. So they do whatever they want to. They're different, but there's, they're just coming, going, worshiping, however they want. And so he shows up and says, this is how I want it to be. Here's the laws. Here's how it's going to go. Law isn't all bad. So, so the Scripture is telling us that the righteousness of the law, the right standing, the things about law that put us in connection with God, how are those fulfilled in us? They're fulfilled in us, those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're just trying to live for God in the flesh because you think it's a good thing to do, you're probably one of the most miserable people in your world. Because it's a miserable place to be when you're just trying to fulfill the law without understanding the righteousness that's in it, the goodness that's in it. Why, why it was put there in the first place. What it does for us and how it serves us and helps us. So he said, the righteousness is fulfilled for those who are not walking after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So you, you've been influenced, you've been filled, but if you don't choose to be led, then it's easy to go right back to the fleshly ways, call yourself a Christian, come to church, and live every day miserable. I've met some miserable Christians. Has anybody else ever met those folks? <laughs> I've met some... Mi- you want to know what it is? It's people who haven't taken the next step in the Spirit to be led by the Spirit. Let's go on. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If all your world and your days are filled with is fleshly thoughts and fleshly desires and fleshly ambitions and all of those things, then then you need to hear the word today. They're after the flesh. They mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. There should be folks in your life every once in a while that say, why are you always talking about God? Why are you always talking about the Spirit? Why are you always talking about feeling the presence of God? Why are you always yielded and conversing and acting as though? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to mind the things of the Spirit. I don't want my mind on fleshly things all day, every day. Every temptation, every heartache, every struggle, every challenge. Some people are so fleshly minded. I've met, a, I've met a whole lot of people that are fleshly minded. I've met a few people that are spiritually minded. And I've met a lot of folks. But the overwhelming majority, their minds are dominated by flesh and not by spirit. You've heard the saying where people say, oh, they're so spiritually minded. They're so heavenly minded that they are no, of no earthly good. I've met very few of those kind of people. Now, I've met some kooks that we blame it on the Spirit, but it had nothing to do with the Spirit. It was just they were cuckoo. And, you know, and we'd say, oh, they're so... If that's, if that's heavenly minded, I don't want to be heavenly minded. i got to tell you, it's not heavenly minded. Heavenly minded and spiritually minded doesn't mean you're goofy. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. It doesn't mean that you've lost your mind. It just means you are allowing your life to be led by the Spirit because that is your next obvious step. Once you've been filled is to be led. Everybody say led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. So, the Bible said that for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You want peace in your life? Then mind the things of the Spirit. Get out of the quarreling and the fighting and the bickering and the backbiting and the judging of fleshly things. If that's what's coming out of you, it should be a sign that your mind is on the flesh and not on the Spirit. Because if you're walking in the Spirit, if you are being led by the Spirit, there will be peace in your life. 
If everything is in turmoil and everything's upside down and everything is crazy all the time, you, you probably should hear, to, hear what pastor's preaching today. Think more about spiritual things. Get your mind filled with spiritual things. Wake up every day and determine you're going to walk in life and peace that day. But the carnal mind... Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind is an enemy of God. He's going to fight that. He's going to resist that. He's going to push at that. There's always going to be tension in your mind, tension in your heart, tension in your life, frustration in your Christianity. Why? Because God is diabolically opposed. It is an enemy of Him, the carnal mind. And He will constantly... Press pastor to address things. Talk to you. Show up in your life. Let somebody see you. Overhear you. Like, oh my God. Yeah, that's God. Because he doesn't like the carnal mind. He fights against it. For it is not subject to the law of God. It's not subject to, there's that word again, the law of God. If you love God, you'll love law. Because God has a law. And those that fall in line with His law receive His favor and receive His abundance and receive His blessings, not, not resisting this. For they are not, sub, for it is not, the carnal minds, not subject to God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It does not matter what, how many times you show up at church every month. It doesn't matter how big your family Bible is you carry around. It doesn't matter if you have every what would Jesus do sticker on your car and wristband and Bible cover and bobblehead on the front of your dash. It does not matter what would Jesus do if you somehow are not allowing the Spirit to lead you. There is an issue between you and God. He wants you to grow to the next place. He wants us all to be drawn there. And so the Bible said that the flesh cannot please God. So how am I going to please God? only way I can please Him is by being led by the Spirit. I have to let the Spirit lead me. I have to live my life enveloped in that. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit... If so, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. You're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. Here it is. If the Spirit dwells in you, if you're drawn by Him, you can't be led by Him until you're filled with Him. Well, I, I was drawn to the church. Great. Did you get filled with the Spirit? Because you can't be led by Him until you're filled with the Spirit. You're not being led by His Spirit. Unless you're filled. So the Bible said, if the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Bible says that you can be drawn, you can be influenced, and not belong to him. Just because you come to church, show up at church, go through religious motions, doesn't mean you belong to him. The Bible said those that belong to Him are those that have been filled with His Spirit. If you have not that Spirit, you are none of His. He will not claim you, in other words, at that, at that day. And so the Bible said, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of His. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Listen, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. He's not going to move into a body that's full of sin and he will not stay in a body that invites sin back in so just because you came to him in repentance and just because you came and turned to him and did all of those things you say well I was filled well if you don't continue to walk in that he's not going to inhabit or coexist in a body that's filled with sin that has come back alive to the things of the flesh He's not going to do it. He didn't move in under those terms. And he's not going to stay under those terms. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He didn't move in under those. He moved in when you said, clean me, forgive me, search me, rid me of these things. I'm dying. God, I lay it all down. I turn around. I don't want to... He moved in under those terms. He will only stay 
under those terms. He's not going to coexist. Well, it's just a rough place in my life. Or, well, well, you don't know what's going on. If you want God to stay in your life, make sure you stay dead to sin. That that doesn't come back in and dominate your life and mind and existence. Amen. So the Bible said, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. The reason you have life in the Spirit is because you're living right. Does this make sense? Because I want you to get it today. If you choose to live in unrighteous ways, then it's, it's obvious here The Spirit is not going to give you the life needed or necessary to survive and exist in a Christian life. He moved in under terms of sin being out of your life. Death to sin there. Living right. Changing your direction. That's what repentance is. He came in. The Spirit moves in. And now there's life there because it's a holy vessel. It's a righteous vessel. It's something He can influence and move and continue to dwell in. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Why do we want His Spirit in our life? Because if the trumpet sounds right now, it is His Spirit that's in my life that will be my ticket out of here. Hallelujah. If the Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, if it dwells well in me. It's going to quicken my mortal body. I don't want to live void of the Spirit, absent of His leading. I want His Spirit active in my life. Amen. i got to hurry along. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Quit thinking you owe the flesh anything. Quit thinking that you owe people in sin anything. I owe them friendship. I owe them acquaintance. I owe them my presence. I ought to give in. Wait a minute. Are you living for God or for them? He said, you're not a debtor to that. You're not a debtor to that. There are some friendships. There are some allegiances. There are some conversation. There are some places. There are some things about the world and about flesh that as a Christian, you don't do anymore. You're not in debt to that. You don't owe that anything. Don't let that pull you in, give you a guilt complex of saying you should, you ought to, you better. No, I don't have to do that. I've been freed by the Spirit of God that dwells in my life, that has made me different. Not better, different. Amen. So you're not a debtor to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the spirit, if, if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Doesn't that sound like some kind of work? Does, does mortify sound like anything that has to do with killing, destroying, doing away with, ridding? He said, If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the spirit, how do I overcome these things? How do I get to the place of being led by the Spirit? I have to go on the attack. I have to go on the attack and mortify the deeds of the body. So you've done it for 10 years. Stop. So it's been a part of your thought life and your your existence since you were born. So you were raised that way. So, So you were influenced by family, friends, environment, circumstances. Okay. We all have all of that. But the Bible doesn't say, you're good, check mark, keep doing whatever you want to do. The Bible said, mortify the deeds of the body. Go to the seat. There's always a next step in the Spirit. You don't just come to church and feel good. You don't just come to church and say, man, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Oh my, yes, I'm glad about that. But if you keep coming, God's going to call you to the next step in the Spirit. And the next step is the Spirit is, I'm going to mortify the addictions, the deeds, 
the passions, the desires, the longings, the actions of the body that lead me away from God and toward the world and toward serving the flesh and sin. He said, mortify the deeds of the body. How do I do that? Through the help of the Spirit. So when the Spirit's in my life, I can accomplish that. But without the Spirit in my life, that's why some people come to church and they look at us and yes, we're different and we're good with being different. We're scriptural obeying people. So if you want to be in line with Scripture, I invite you to hang around. If you want to go do other things, then that's your prerogative. But you'll come to us and say, I can never do that. I can never live that way. I can never talk that way. I can never serve like that. I can never be involved at that level. I can never do that, really. You don't have much confidence in the Spirit, do you? You don't know much about Him, do you? Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You may not be able in your flesh to do it on your own because you were conditioned differently. But as soon as the Spirit takes up residence and as soon as the Spirit begins to lead you, you'll start doing things you never dreamed you were going to do because the Spirit gives you the power to overcome. The Spirit gives you the strength to succeed. The Spirit leads you into things. Not pastor preaching you into those things. I'll preach things, but the Spirit has to quicken it. The Spirit has to prick your heart. The Spirit has to move in your life. I'm not, I'm not the long arm of the law. Okay? It's the Spirit of God that starts working in your life. And it starts leading you. And you're like, I don't need that anymore in my life. I'm going to mortify the deeds of the body. I don't have to... I don't, I, I don't need that to be pretty. I don't need that to be accepted. I don't need that to have self-worth. I don't need that to be loved. I don't need that to have mercy. Listen, God loves you just like you are, but He's going to move you into what He wants you to be. And when you're led by the Spirit, you will mortify the deeds of the body, not surrender to the flesh, not ten years later. If there's no difference, and I'm just using that number. Ten years later, if there's no difference in your flesh, after living for God ten years, then there's a problem. That may be six months for some people. Okay? It may be somewhere in between, or it it may be even a shorter time than that. There's a problem. Don't let the flesh have its way in your life. Be led. There's always a next step in the Spirit. Yes to God. Yes to His plan. Yes to His will. Yes to His purpose. Yes to where He's taking you. Yes to what He's developing in you. Yes to what He's changing in your life. So it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you're going to claim this connection with Him, it will come through being led by His Spirit. It will come through God leading you every day. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, don't think that, well, you know, that church is just too restrictive and the Bible is just too narrow. If you want to talk about bondage, let's talk about how you couldn't last five minutes without your last drug. You want to talk about bondage? Let's talk about how you couldn't go through a day without your mind being absolutely bombarded with the most <laughs> filthy, vile, crazy, jacked up thinking. Hatred, violence, wrath, emulation, addictions, gossip. You, 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 couldn't get, you couldn't even earn a living because of all the trash. Go, you want to talk about bondage and this is hard? This is hard? You couldn't get up in the morning without a pick-me-up. You couldn't lay down at night without a... You want to talk about bondage? That's the way you just lived your entire life. And this is bondage? Free, healed, delivered, at peace... Mercy, grace, that, that's, that's bondage? He said, if you want to go back to bondage, go back to that life of fear. Go back to that flesh having its rule in your life. 
can't control your tongue, can't control your thoughts, can't control your actions, can't control anything in your life, completely overwhelmed, going to this doctor, going to that doctor, talking to this person, moving here, chasing that over there, trying to find a high there. You want to talk about bondage? Can't feed your family, can't pay the bills, can't take care of the stuff, can't keep everything up, trying to give it here and give it over there and take it from this way. You want to talk about bondage? And this is hard? This is hard? Broke up four or five times. Beat up over and over and over. Mentally, emotionally, physically, everything in your life. Because the adversary came to kill, steal, and destroy. The MO of the adversary every day in your life. Make it as miserable and hard and horrible as possible. That's bondage. I don't want anything to do with this. I'll say lead me wherever you want to lead me. I'll follow because I know you're leading me to peace. I know you're leading me to life. I know you're leading me to help. I know you're leading me to joy and happiness and strength. So he said, hey, for as many have not received, for, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. That we have a Father that reigns and lords over and leads and protects and guides us every day. You have something to hold on to. Amen. I don't have time today to get to. Galatians 5 and go through this. But I will say, take a few moments in your own time and read through verse 13 down through verse 26. It's an, it's an amazing uh, portion of Scripture. But, but in these examples, they both speak of being led by the Spirit. Somebody shout, led by the Spirit. You cannot be, I cannot be, we cannot be led by the Spirit if we're not willing to follow. You can't be led by something you're not willing to follow. So His opportunity there, and the opportunity to lead you is there, but are you willing to follow? Not everybody's willing to follow, okay? So, the battle rages on between the flesh and the spirit. It's it's a constant fight in our life. Flesh, spirit. Flesh, spirit. Flesh, spirit. And... Whichever one of those you are willing to follow, that's who will have the upper hand in your life. Who will you follow? What will you follow? If you follow the Spirit, it will lead you into life and peace. If you follow the flesh, it will lead you into death and destruction. So in, in, in today, in closing, I really want to tell you that the objective of the Spirit Activity in all of our lives through drawing us, influencing us, filling us with the Spirit is that we may win this battle. Why is all of this happening? Because God wants to give you the upper hand. He wants to give you the power to win the battle against the flesh. He wants to give you those things. So if you'll be led by Him, you will see over time that you're walking in new levels and new dimensions and new graces and new places of healing and deliverance and strength and peace as you yield to that overcoming the flesh on a consistent basis is is simply found in being led by the Spirit. If you're going to overcome the flesh, the only way to do it is being led by the Spirit. If you're going to defeat the flesh, it will come by being led by the Spirit. And we cannot find a better life. How many would agree with me? We can't find a better life. There is no better life than this. And it's what God wants for each and every one of us. Don't be content. Don't be content to simply being brought to Him, filled by Him, but go on into a Spirit-led life. Be a Spirit-led individual. This is where the greatest fulfillment in God comes from. I I, I want to share this with you. I received a phone call years ago about a person who was uh, estranged from their family, an individual who was estranged, a man. 
I, didn't, I had no connection with his family, didn't know anyone. It was just a, a call that I received to, hey, if you get a chance, we have a loved one that we recently heard is in your area and maybe in a uh, rehab facility or halfway house of sort, and, and here's the name, and we haven't heard from them in years. We just overheard that this, this might be the area, and uh, if you get a chance, would you please try to reach out to to that individual. So I, I made plans to try to find the person and um, Lisa and our two older girls were with me and I drove, I drove to the area where the last kind of lead that I got where the individual may be. And so when we got there, Lisa and the girls stayed in the car and I said, I'm going to walk in here real quick and see if I can find this person. I don't, I don't know anything about their story other than they're estranged from their family and Family's worried and they happen to hear that maybe they're here. So I go in and, and uh, as I'm walking in, there's people kind of congregating on the sidewalk, standing around. I notice a few people and I walk in. I ask for the person and they said, no, uh, they're not here. We did have connection with them recently, but they're not here now. And it's kind of one of those deals. I'm kind of just chasing lead down, trying to find something call back to a family to let them know this is what's going on. Well, I have no answers other than this is where they were, they're not here anymore, kind of one, it was one of those deals. So I walk out of the facility, and when I walk onto the street, the same congregation group of people that were out there, still there, they're talking, having a discussion, and as I, as I walk by, really just like out of, out of nowhere, out of nowhere feel drawn toward one man that's standing there. And so I just stopped and didn't interrupt. You know, it's good to kind of use your manners. When people are talking, not to interrupt. We ought to do that around the church sometimes, too. Look at your neighbor and say, he could be talking to you, but he's not going to point you out. And wait for the conversation to die down before you butt in. But anyway, so I just stood there for a few moments. And, and as the conversation died down, this tall as they would say in Texas, this tall drink of water was standing there. <laughs> Hat on, boots, in North Carolina, just kind of on the street. And so I, I said, hey, um, couldn't help but overhear your conversation as I was walking in. This guy's looking at me like, what are you doing in my life? Couldn't help but overhear your conversation. And, um, you know, you may think this, this is strange, but Whatever you're looking for, whatever this is you're searching for, God wanted me to tell you that He has it for you. And the guy's looking at me. He said, well, uh, what, what do you mean by that? I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, honestly, I, I got on a bus in Oklahoma. I sold everything I had, took a few dollars, and I just started riding the bus from state to state, getting off in various places. He said, I'm looking for something. I said, I knew you were looking for something. God told me you were looking for something. I know what it is you're looking for. He said, you know what it is I'm looking for? I said, yeah, I know exactly what it is you're looking for. He said, I got off in this city, and I went downtown today, this morning. He said, I found a little storefront church. He said, I walked in a storefront church, and he didn't know who I was. Still, no clue. He said, I walked in a storefront church, and when I walked in there, I didn't, I didn't feel nothing. I thought, I thought that's what I was looking for. I try, I've tried church. I've tried. He named all these things. It wasn't in that. So you think you know. I said, yeah, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Tears came up in his eyes. And he said, yeah, yeah. I have, and, and that's what I'm looking for. And I said, I knew you were, because that's what God told me you needed in your life. And he said, I went to a church, and they didn't have it. I said, not every church has what I'm talking about. I said, what, what's your plans? What are you doing? He said, I don't have any plans. I'm just searching. I said, well, I'll tell you what. If you'll stay right here. My family's sitting in that car over there. We had a little small uh, Passat or something, a little... Honda Accord or something, I don't know. We had some Accords and Volkswagen Passats at that time. And I had a little vehicle and a bunch of kids. I said, if you'll give me a few minutes, I'm going to take my family home, 
I'm going to drop them off and I'm going to come right back here and pick you up and I'm going to take you to my church. He said, what church? I said, I'm a preacher. He said, you're a preacher? I said, yeah, I'm going to take you to my church and I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to talk to you exactly about what you need and what you're looking for you're going to get tonight. And he said, okay, let's do it. So I took Lisa and the girls home, dropped them off. On the way, I called a couple men in the church, some other families that, 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 I'm connect, that I was connected with at that time. I said, hey, you guys meet me at the church, fill the baptismal tank up, and get ready to pray. I dropped my family off, went back. The man was still standing on the street. I said, all right, buddy, come on, let's go. He jumped in the car with me, went to the church. I sat down and taught him a Bible study about the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the necessity of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, you know what, I want to be baptized right now. And I said, that sounds good, I already got the water ready. But he said, you know what, I got to tell you, in times past when people have prayed for me, I felt like a, I felt like a spirit, a bad spirit got a hold of me and like a, a demon or I was being attacked or something. I said, that's a lie of the devil. I said, wherever you were and whoever was praying for you didn't realize that there's power in the name of Jesus. And we're not afraid of any kind of tormenting spirit or whatever's trying. He said, well, it, it's scary. I said, that's okay. When I put you down in that water in the name of Jesus Christ, when you come up out of there, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. And the fear that you had before, you won't have now. And there's going to be liberty in your life because we have authority over every tormenting spirit and every lying devil. And he said, yes, sir, that sounds good. I put him in the water baptized him in the name of Jesus. When he came up out of the water, his hands went straight up in the air and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Sitting there in the baptismal tank, here he is speaking in tongues, rejoicing in the presence of God. And, and it was an awesome thing, just, just like that. I'm talking about within a matter of an hour or two, two or three hours of meeting someone on the street. It's all said and done. It's late Sunday night. And I said, so, so what do you want to do? What are you going to do now? He said, I can go home. I said, you want to go home? He said, yeah, I want to go back to Oklahoma. I found what I was looking for. I got on the bus several days ago just traveling state to state trying to find what I was looking for. This is exactly what I was looking for. I can go home now and live my life and I can go back there and do what I need to do. I'm not searching anymore. This is what I was after. I said, so you want me to get you a room? He said, no, just take me out to a truck stop on the edge of town. Drop me off at the truck stop going back toward Oklahoma. I'm going to jump on a, in a truck and ride with someone back to Oklahoma. And I said, well, give me your name. Give me the city you live in. I'm going to connect you with a church there in Oklahoma that you can that you can go to and be a part of. I got a Bible for him. Got his name. Called the pastor on the other end. Said, hey, there's a man I just met from your city. I don't know you. You don't know me. But he was just baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he wants to come home. And he feels free and delivered now. And the man said, send him my way. We'll disciple him. He can be a part of the church. Literally hung up the phone, gentleman in our church, took him to the edge of town, dropped him off in a truck stop, and he went back to Oklahoma. And months later, I heard from them. He was still in the church, living for God. When you're led by the Spirit, you won't live your life in turmoil every day. He said, she said, they did. I'm addicted. I get the devil's fight. The devil's a liar. You have power in the name of Jesus. If you're led by the Spirit, you'll be making a difference in the world and live in peace and not chaos every day. And God will lead you to people who are hungry and searching. I went looking for somebody else. I never found that person, but I found who God wanted me to find that day. Listen, be led by the Spirit. There is absolutely no telling what God will do in your life if you'll just allow Him to lead you. Let's stand together.